Psalms together, okay? Uh, we're going to open our Bibles to the book of Psalms and be in Psalm 95, Psalm 95. And so I want to invite you there. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can grab one off the sides of the tech booth back there. Feel free to do so. Uh, if you have one of the thicker versions of those, uh, that's page 499, I believe. And if it's one of the thinner versions, we have two different kinds back there, page 457. If you're a user of the Bible app, you can open up that live event right now and track along with the scriptures and sermon notes and that kind of thing. So uh, Unashamed is the series that we're in. We're going to continue to work on this theme for another few weeks together. Uh, next week, we'll really kind of hinge and turn the corner. Uh, as we think about worse, uh, unashamed in our worship as well as in our witness. Uh, but today I wanted to talk and think about together from this book of Psalms, how we sing together, how we sing together. And so uh, as we've done the past few weeks, I want to put Romans 116 up here, uh, the anchor verse for us, so to speak, uh, regarding this series. I want you to put eyes on it. And then in just a moment, we're going to read it out loud together. Once you've got eyes on it, you ready? Here we go. Read it with me. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so the good news of Jesus, that he has borne our sins, that he has died in our place and for our sins, that he has come back from the dead, conquering sin and death, and that he is in the business of transforming our lives. That's the good news. That's the gospel. And we don't need to be ashamed of that. In fact, the deeper it goes into us, the more loudly and boldly it comes out of us, which is a truth we'll hold on to. Um, and it is for everyone, not just some. It is for everyone. If you grew up like a Jew, uh, close to the people of God, close to the things of God, um, kind of connected, or if you grew up far from God, um, the proverbial Greek here in this text, someone who's distant from God, doesn't matter. It is salvation for everyone who believes, and that is good, good news for us. So the two big truths I wanted to hold on to um, here, uh, the first one actually was articulated last week, and I've been at this 25 years now, full time, and I just finally figured out how to say it, which is amazing to me. But here, here's, the, here's the big truth, no, big truth number one I wanted to hold on to, that we don't get to define God for ourselves nor do we get to define ourselves for God. Neither of those things are admissible in the Christian life. Uh, we don't get to decide who God is or what he likes or doesn't like, what he prefers, doesn't prefer, any of those things. We get to set all that aside and we get to worship the God who is. We don't get to decide or define for ourselves who God is. Neither, though, do we get to define ourselves for God. Hey, God, there's two ways typically that goes. Hey, God, look at me. Look at all the good things I've done. I came, I um, clapped at the right time, I laughed at the joke, I gave some money in the plate, I even bowed my head to pray, all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, I, you should have me on your team. I'm a first rounder. Or the other way, hey God, uh, thanks for not letting the building fall down when I walked in the doors. I'm grateful for that. Uh, but like, I know you would never ever want me on your team because of this stuff or this, this thing or that piece of baggage or this whatever. We don't get to define ourselves for God. We don't get to define God for ourselves or ourselves for God. The second big truth, hold on to, I'll, I said it, alluded to it just a moment ago. I'm gonna say it now. We'll say it again here in just a minute. Uh, because it is, it is the truth um, that this series is built on, that those who experience God's grace deeply uh, express their passion 
boldly. When we absorb, soak in God's grace and it filters down to our DNA, like when it goes deep down into our bones, when at the cellular level there is God's grace pulsing in the midst of all of that, uh, what comes out of us then is a life that is unashamed, that is bold. And so that's, that's what we're hoping for is to set these things before us those who would experience uh, God's grace deeply, we would see this and experience it, and then it would come out boldly. So that, um, we've been talking about worship the past couple of weeks, and uh, today I want to continue that and specifically frame thinking about how we sing. How do we sing? And so the psalm here really comes in two stanzas with a kind of uh, uh, epilogue of a warning at the end. Uh, but in each stanza, there's a how we sing and then there's a why we sing. So we're going to do the how we sing first and then why we sing. Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. And any time in the Old Testament, you have capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, like that. It's the covenant name for God. So you can write in your Bible like the I am or Yahweh or Jehovah. That's, that's who we're talking about here. He has a name. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. That's grace right there. That's grace. Uh, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us uh, make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Why? For the Lord is a great God. We sung this just a minute ago. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his for he made it. His hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. We're just going to pause right there um, and talk for just a minute about how, um, and then we'll talk about why. Okay, so let's talk about the how. How do we sing together? How does this stuff come out of us? These three things, you'll see them up on the screen. The first one is we actually sing together. Do you see that here? Uh, verse one, oh, come, let somebody help me here. Let us, I know it's gray and dreary outside. The sun did peek through just a moment ago, which I'm very grateful for, but let's just join in together. Oh, come, let what? Us. Now, me is a part of us. You get that? So it's, a, it's an invitation for me also to sing, but it is a collection. I mean, it is a collective uh, kind of invitation. Hey, let us sing together. Let us sing together. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Now, when we sing together, we sing for God, we sing for ourselves, and we sing for those around us. So we sing for God to give him the honor that he's due. We sing for us because it forms us and shapes us as we worship God. And we also sing for those who are around us. It's important that we recognize that there are moments when uh, uh, faith, our faith will bolster somebody else's or our faith will be bolstered by someone else singing. Music has that kind of power. Let me just give you a couple of examples. I remember my first root canal. <laughs> Who doesn't, right? Right. 17 years old. Uh, Dr. Fox up in Conroe, still remember his name. Uh, and uh, he seemed like a nice enough man. Uh, but it comes root canal time and he's getting all the stuff ready, you know, and you got the shots coming and that kind of thing. And he looks at me, he must have seen me gone ashen white or something. He goes, hey, We've got a little uh, radio with some earbuds here. Would you like some? And what's the answer to that? Oh, please, for the love. Yes, yes. Because uh, no offense to my current dentist who is in the room, the absolute worst sound in the entire world is a dentist drill. Who's with me on this? 
It's not that we don't love you. It's just that we don't love the drill. Okay, so there's that, right? So, okay, so he goes to work and stuff, and thankfully, I've got something in my ears, right? Because there are moments when music has the power to give peace in the midst of some craziness. I mentioned that I was at a, a, a funeral uh, I don't know, six or seven weeks ago now, uh, 500 people in the room, packed house, and man, when they stood up to sing, they let it rip. And it's an amazing thing that God uses music in that kind of moment to give hope to the people who were grieving. And I'll just break it down for you. If you haven't uh, been to one lately, um, you know, still Amazing Grace is still a part of a lot of funerals. And you sing that first um, uh, stanza and you get through that second stanza about through many dangers, uh, toils and stairs have already come uh, and grace is leading us home, right? And then it's not just a musical moment where if there's a key change or not, but that last verse does what? When we've been there, to, and all of a sudden there's a roar from the, it doesn't matter if it's 12 people or 1,200, there's something about the hope that that verse brings to us in moments of grief. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we've first because there's hope that rises. I mean, if, if you've ever been in your car, like, I hope that we as a church family, individually, but also collectively, learn to sing like you sing in your car. Because you harmonize and you go for it, you try to hit the high note, or you just jam out, or whatever, you just get it. I hope we learn to sing like that, unashamed. But because music has power, right? Like if you, if you, are, uh, if you have a glorious day, 75 outside, um, it's been a good day at the office, you crank the windows down and what immediately goes up on your drive home? The music. It doesn't matter what station it's on, but you're turning it up to 25 or whatever it reaches in your car, right? And you're just letting it rip. Because it, it provides a lift um, or... Uh, if you're groggy at night driving home, you're like, oh, there's not enough coffee in the world, right? Maybe you turn the AC on or crank the windows down a little bit just to get some fresh air. But then what's the other thing that goes? Dude, you're turning the radio on, right? And you're not going like, I need some really soft music to play. You don't want any NPR on the radio. You want like, give me something with a heavy beat to keep me jamming here, right? Or, so, so sometimes it's like you're, you're on top of the world and you just need that much of a lift. It's a beautiful day outside. You just rock it. Sometimes though, you're kind of struggling here and you need a much larger lift and music has the power to do that. Or um, something may be going on in your life or whatever, and you get in your car, and maybe you've got the radio on just a little bit, and you finally pull up to a stoplight, and you're just kind of sitting there, and you hear it. And all of a sudden, it starts kind of getting in you a little bit, right? Turn it up a little bit, turn it up a little bit. You're sitting through the red light again because the person in front of you was on their phone, so you turn it up a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, when it hits you, your steering wheel becomes what? The coolest drum kit of all time, Right? Like, you can jam that sucker. I mean, you can bang here, and then you bang on the little plastic thing to make a different sound. You know, ba 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 Am I wrong? You ain't wrong. So, I'm saying that to say music has a way of providing peace in the midst of some crazy. Of providing hope in the midst of some darkness. Of providing a lift in the midst of some heaviness. And my guess is, if those three don't apply to you, 
if you looked a chair to your, to your right or a chair or two to your left, you would find somebody who could use some peace or some hope or a lift. And it's important that we embrace this opportunity to sing together because they will draw that from you. I can't tell you how many times I've been on one of these rows here and, and um, my little spark of faith becomes a flame when y'all start honking on some song. For me, it's just me. There's, there's something in me that lights up when y'all start grooving. When there's, when there's people in here knowing that if there's no way made, then it's over. The period will be put at the end of the sentence. And you start singing about a God who's a way maker. I'm up here doing Lamaze breathing, trying to just hold it all together. My goodness. It just, that little spark becomes a flame. It, it, it matters that we sing together. Secondly, it matters that we sing boldly. Uh, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Now, don't, don't miss, we're not just going to sing boldly or make a joyful noise uh, to the rock of our, uh, make a joyful noise because we can make noise, um, but because there is a rock of our salvation. What comes out of us is what uh, um, is the result of, it's the fruit of what has been put in us. We have experienced this amazing grace and what is expressed out of us is this passion. Those who experience that grace deeply express their passion boldly. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Now, that phrase, joyful noise, it's often translated in the book of Psalms, joyful noise. In the rest of the Old Testament, most of the time it's translated shout, Kind of cool. So I'll give you a couple of examples of where it shows up. Uh, Saul, the very first king of Israel, was crowned king um, in, in 1 Samuel uh, 11 or 12, 11, I think. And um, as he is crowned king, when he is done, when he said, hey, Saul's our guy, you know what the people did? They raised a shout saying, amen, we have a king. They, they made a joyful noise. That's what they did. Amen, we have a king. And when they, uh, another time it shows up, um, when the people of Israel marching around Jericho six times, right? Once a day, seven times on the seventh day. And then at the end of the seventh um, iteration on that seventh day, what did they do? They, they made a joyful, no, no, no. They shouted, right? Right. And so they, it's this exact same word all carried all the way through. They shouted and God then flattened the city and delivered them from their enemies. And some of us are at a place where we're like, hey, I've got a king. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo, yeah, I got a king. And some of us are like, hey, God, if you don't come through in deliverance, it's not going to happen. So. We sing boldly, and that invitation to us, come, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. That invitation to us is an invitation to be honest before God. Sometimes we've got a king that we're ready to celebrate. Sometimes we're like, God, you've got to come through here. Either way, it's an invitation for us to be honest before God and gives us permission to be honest before God when we come to him and come boldly. Why? Because those who experience God's grace deeply express their passion boldly. Last little bit, thinking about how we sing 
um, together uh, is thankfully. Verse 2, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Um, let us make a joyful noise. There's a word again. Our, let us give a shout uh, with, to him uh, with songs of praise, thankfully. So I just want to offer us these things. If, if, we, if we can make a list of all the ways, of all the ways um, that God has been good to us, you know what would happen? Um, what would be our reality is the song that we sing sometimes. Every blessing you pour out, I will turn back to praise. We sing thankfully. So it would be pretty good. Um, listen, sometimes you have to yell at your kids on the way to church. I get it. Am I wrong? You ain't wrong. Sometimes that happens. It would also be good for you to have some mental chewing gum of like, hey, God, how have you been good to me this week? And you let that start just sitting there. You chew on that a little bit. And you let that turn um, into praise. We sing thankfully. Um, here, here's, I want to make a pastoral application here. He doesn't just, he doesn't, excuse me, he does not ask us to fake it. In fact, inauthentic worship is, it's anathema to God. You just, you don't want to be those people. We don't want to be people whose lips sing his praise, but whose hearts are far from him. So that's not who we want to be. So he doesn't ask us to fake it. Um, and so some of you come today in situations where you're like, uh, man, my gratitude meter is pretty low, running pretty close to E. He, he never actually in the Bible asks you to be thankful for your circumstances. But he does command us to be thankful in our circumstances. And some of you are facing some stuff right now. And the declaration of worship that you can offer is like Job, you give me songs in the night. Job 35.10. Like, it's dark, it's terrible, everything's crashing down. All I know is that there's a song that I just got to sing and it's the only thing that I can bring right now. We, we sing together, we sing boldly, we sing thankfully. And, and what happens is, look down at verse 6. What happens is our bodies follow our songs. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Our bodies follow our songs. So those three words that he used there, worship, bow down, and kneel, they're all kind of right there together. Uh, they're in the same zip code, even closer, probably in the same neighborhood. Worship, uh, the, the word means literally to fall down, prostrate before uh, a royal, okay? Uh, maybe in our current Western vernacular, it would be something like we stand in honor of like if somebody uh, of import was to walk in the building, we would stand in honor of them. So it's something like that, worship to fall down. And then it says uh, to bow down, to bow down. There is a sense in which I'm, I'm yielding myself and surrendering and say, man, I, I'm, you, you are awesome and I'm not. So I'm just... Oh. Uh, just let that be. And then to kneel, to kneel before the Lord, our maker. And so our bodies follow this. There's an exercise that we can, um, could do. We, we don't have time right now, but it's, it's fun to do sometimes. It's, it's pick a Psalm, just pick any old Psalm. You can do this later. Pick any old Psalm and just start reading. And you can just start marking the ways that our bodies are called to worship. Sing, shout, lift your hands, kneel, bow down, uh, stand up, uh, raise your head, lift your eyes. I mean, all of these bodily things 
Our bodies follow our songs. So if that's going to be true, again, just pastoral application, these three words to hang on to, that we would be authentic in our posture. What is happening on the outside matches the thing that's going on in the inside. You don't want to be a faker, okay? So if you come in dragging, you can be dragging. Just be, just, that's fine. Just hang in there. Uh, if you come in on top of the world, man, you don't have to sit with your hands in your pockets. You can, you can let it go. Somebody last week was so sweet. Said, man, what a great service on Sunday. It's powerful. He said, um, I, I, the Lord just took my hand and ripped it right up in the air. That's what they said. And kind of leaned in and said, I think that's the first time I've ever raised my hand in church. Authentic. Biblical. Biblical. That we, that we take the, the postures that God describes for us and we let those be guidelines for us. Why? Because sometimes, um, you know, we, we may get out of line and, and uh, like you don't want to be dancing around here throwing gold dust in the air. Like that's, that's not a biblical posture of worship. You think, has that ever happened in this church? No, not in this church, but some churches, that's the kind of thing that, so we just want to be biblical. And lastly, see, concern, concern for those who are around us. Why? Because we sing together. We sing together. If I'm worshiping and I'm going like this and I whack somebody in the head, like that's probably not a great experience. So just be concerned for the authentic, biblical, and concerned. Um, let's turn a corner here and talk about the why. And as, as great as it is to talk about singing, I just... Let's talk about why. Verse 3. Why do we sing unashamed? For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Um, Pause right there. He's a great king above all gods. You see it as little g there. There is no spiritual force that you will encounter this week that Jesus does not reign over. There are real spiritual forces, things at work, um, uh, uh, kind of personal entities as well as systems that are working against you. But there is no spiritual force that Jesus is not king over. He is the great king above all gods. Not most of them. Not everybody else's except your demons. He's the great king above all gods. He's the great king. And in his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountain are his also. And some of you are at the heights. Jesus is king there. And some of you are in the depths. And he holds those depths in his hand. He's the great king. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. So not only is he king over all of the spiritual things that are at work this week, he's also king over all of the natural things that you will um, encounter this week. There is nothing seen or unseen that you will not encounter, excuse me, that you will encounter this week that Jesus doesn't have reign over. That's the reason we sing. Because our God is a great king. Uh, Paul picks this exact kind of imagery and language up in the book of Colossians chapter 1. And so um, if you're on your app, you can turn there. If not, I just, um, you can turn Colossians 1 verse 15. And this is what it says. He, Jesus, he's the image of the invisible God. In other words, if you want to know what God looks like, you look at Jesus. The firstborn among all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and 
there it is, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities, all things were created through him and were created for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. How good is that? Jesus is a great king. He's a great king above all gods. And he reigns at the mountain high and the depths of the sea. There's nothing that you're going to face this week that he is not the king over. Um, Our God is also, though, look down at verse 7. Our God is also the good shepherd. Verse 7, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. The sheep of his hand. So um, shepherds, what do they do? They take care of the flock. They make sure they're protected. They make sure they have what they need. Um, And this is what God is for us. Um, He he, um, offers to us what we need. He protects us. And even when our hearts, even when our hearts um, are full of grumbling and complaining, fussing, whining, whatever, even when our hearts are like that, he still still offers to us what we need and he still protects us. This is the warning. I told you the Psalm finishes with this epilogue of a warning. This is really what he says at the end of verse seven. Today, if you hear his voice, which we are right this moment, don't harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massah in the wilderness. Now you think to yourself, yeah, I know that story. Well, if you do, uh, just if you don't, how about this? If you don't, a quick refresher. Um, God had delivered the people of Israel out of um, Egypt and 10 plagues, amazing deliverance through the Reed Sea there and off into the wilderness there. And they get out there just a couple of days and they're like, hey, wait a minute. You brought us out here in the desert so we die of thirst. We need some water. Moses is like, oh, God, why did you do this to me? Oh, nobody's ever felt like that before. I understand, but they're just like, oh, why did you do this to me? God's like, do this to you. Think of what they're doing to me. Go take the elders, go uh, hit that rock. Water will come out. It'll be all right. And he says, man, what a stiff-necked people. That's what he continues on with. Um, when you're, verse 9, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they, don't miss this, though they had seen my work. They had seen God deliver them. They're just like spitting distance from Egypt. And they're like, just take us back. For 40 years, I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. They knew God's works, but not his ways. And that makes all the difference. Because when you know God's ways, you're willing to walk with him through places where it doesn't seem like he's working. We sang just a minute ago, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. People who know his ways know that he's up to something even when they can't see it. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Indeed, they did not. They did not see the promised land. Our God is the good shepherd, and he gives us what we need. He offers to us what we need, and he protects us even when our hearts are far from him. And that that plays out um, in our lives and particularly in the New Testament. Him being the good shepherd, giving us what we need, protecting us, as Jesus describes himself in John chapter 10. I know this is um, in the app here. It's John chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, 
doesn't own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees. There's no protection. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me, I know the father and I laid down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. That's you and me, by the way. I bring them, I must bring them in also. They will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my father. The, the good shepherd protects us, offers us what we need. That's true. But he does so in, the, in this sense that he lays down his life for you and for me. He lays down his life for you and for me. And some of us come this morning, you, just, you need to um, hear that word of grace to you. You weren't around when Jesus spoke these words. You weren't around when the psalmist wrote Psalm 95. But you're here now. You're here now. You need to know that Jesus has come and he has laid down his life for you. And if you respond to him in faith, he will um, uh, forgive you of your sin. Why? Because he died in your place and for your sin. He will take your brokenness, take your shame on himself. That's what he did on the cross. He took that so we don't have to carry it. He bore it so we don't have to bear it. And you return to him in faith and you will be a new person walking out of here. Some of you are already followers of Jesus, and you just need to hear. This is the grace that God has for you. He sent Jesus, the good shepherd, to lay down his life for the sheep. And you need to let that soak in some more. Give it room to seep into those deepest, deepest pores of your soul. Those who experience God's grace deeply. Their passion comes out. They express their passion boldly. So as we've done for several weeks now, we just we don't do pressure here. Holy Spirit does all of this way better than we ever could orchestrate. So here are some questions for reflection. You want to write them down or you want to snap a picture? Great. Just take a moment. Just pause. We're just going to pause. We're going to wait. We're going to think. Some of you want to, um, may, may want to just have some time to pray. You'll need to make your way up here. The past several weeks, people have just made their way to these benches or these kneeling benches, or they've just come to the stairs just to be here, stand here and pray, physically moving um, to respond. Some of you may need somebody to pray with you. We'll have some folks at the back to do that. And if you're here this morning and you, you don't know this great king and this good shepherd, We'd love to begin a conversation with you and explain more about what it means to know and to follow Jesus. You may need to stand. You may need to um, sit. You may need to uh, just let your voice ring out, or you may need to be quiet. But let's, let's pause together, and I'm going to pray, and then we'll sing. Frank's going to lead us. Um, so, Father, now, by your Holy Spirit, bring to completion the work that you've started here this morning through the songs that we've sung and through the word that's been brought forth. God, I know that you've been at work. I pray that you would bring your work to completion. Don't let us walk out of here the same. Um, let the seed find good soil so that it can bear fruit in our lives.
We offer all of this to you now. Trust you to accomplish it for Jesus' sake. Amen. If you need to move this way and just pray, feel free to do so. If you need somebody to pray with you, we'll be at the back. If you want to stand and sing, stand and sing. If you need to sit and think with your Bible open, you do so. Freedom here to respond, but let's respond to what God said.